All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I blow you out, Norman? <laughs> we, have, like I'm loud. we have a fantastic guest. Uh, and I, when I say fantastic, we I really do mean it. Yes, we did. I don't know how. Don. I, I, I can't wait to hear this story. Don <laughs> Monique Williams. <laughs> Uh, Don, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. So, for those who don't know Don, Don is uh, she is directing Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, but she is also the new associate director of Aurora Theater, veteran actor director, the former uh, former associate director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, worked with a vast amount of theater companies, including Here Arts Arena, Profile Theater in Portland, Oregon, ACT. Shaquata Theater Company and the African American Shakespeare Company, and I'm sure there's many, many more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, we were very and very blessed. Thank well, you I so much. I didn't realize you were directing the show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So she could tell me. She she could say how crappy this guy named Reg Clay. Oh, you know, she, she can give you notes on the podcast. Absolutely. For posterity. Yeah, but but seriously, thank you so much for coming on, Don. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. So, uh, Norman, as I begin every uh, podcast, how's your how's your week? My week was so uh, I got to do late Mother's Day because I went down. I went. My mom's in San Diego. I went down to check in on her. My stepfather got a couple of little cute photos of them. Um, an old high school friend. Mm-hmm. So this is like nearly forty years. Um, got in touch with me. Has been trying to connect with me on Facebook and is not comfortable. He's an older person, not comfortable with Facebook. So he kept assuming I was just dodging him and. It's stuff like Messenger. I don't have Messenger on my phone. I only have it on my laptop. I miss messages. And then if you aren't my friend, it goes in a folder I don't even know about. So I was digging through. His sister had gotten in touch with me to mm. say, Brandy's worried that you think like he's crazy or weird or something. And I'm like, I don't even know what happened to him. It's been 40 years, please. But he lives in San Diego. So we got to hang out. Got to hang out a couple of days. Mm. And I went and checked him on my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother James on my father's side. Um, and he's just had knee surgery. Not mm. just. He had knee surgery last fall. Didn't go well. Oh, no. <laughs> Turned into infection. They didn't find it until like March. Mm. And he went in for a checkup. And the guy said, so you're going to go check yourself into the hospital right now. We're going to be doing surgery as soon as we can schedule it. Ooh. And they dug all the infection out. Oh. And then the knee, because it's all specialist, right? Yeah. The knee guy comes in. And he's like, you got to take that thing out. If there's any infection at all, you, you got to take that out. Mm. So he's got right now a spacer where there was a knee. I'm wondering about the money because I, you know, I don't even know if he can afford He's, any of this. Well, no. So I'll, I'll, I'll get to that part. Yeah. But um, this has been going on. And so the day before I saw him, he had just gotten a yay, clean bill of health on the infection that's done. Mm. I won't talk to you again, he says, until they schedule the surgery. So he's finally going to get his new knee. Wow. So I went to visit and ended up having to run him around, which was some things <laughs> I can share and some things uh, Hey, friend, how are you doing? By the way, can you take me here, there, or whatever? Well, it was weird. He hadn't been to the post office. Oh. So we go to the post office. I go in to pick up because that's how they're sending him medications and stuff because okay. he's at home. Yeah. And um, as, we go, as I go in, his phone rings, and it's the post office calling him to say, we got all these boxes. And he's like, that's funny. I'm in your parking lot. <laughs> so we picked that up. We ran around. Um I will describe his home just a little bit. Uh, I walk in, and there's a big, if you haven't seen it, there's a version of the American flag, which is black and white, hmm. with a single blue stripe in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. One blue stripe, because blue lives matter. 
Oh, oh, okay. He's he's a former cop. It's up on the wall. He is, yeah, retired cop. Okay. Uh, up on the wall next to that is yeah. the commemorative inauguration clock. Oh. Twenty seventeen. Okay. Twenty seventeen. Oh. Oh yeah. No. Oh no. And he doesn't do it, and I don't do it because I know my family. I'm like, we're not. I don't know, and this, I don't care. This is a black guy. Uh huh. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Nurse comes in to. Yeah. She has to come in. They're actually like rescheduling how much she comes in now because they're yeah. moving to this new phase. Yeah. She says. He says my brother's visiting. He's visiting from San Francisco Bay Area. And she says San Francisco. I said no, 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 Oakland. I see her kind of click, click, click. She says. So you're not con- concerned. Are you conservative or are you liberal? <laughs> oh boy! And I said, uh, I'm. I guess. I mean, I'm. I'm beyond liberal. So, well, what do you think of the president? I'm like, really? I just want to visit with my brother. Really? Do we have to have this conversation? Oh goodness! And so they were very polite, but I yeah. did have to school them a little bit. Well, what do you think of this economy? Um, I think this economy is on a ten-year trajectory. It's been doing this for ten years. Mm-hmm. So. Yay for America and yay for this economy. Mm. You don't give the president credit for that? Well, what about those other eight years? And lately the market's not been doing so exactly. well. I'll give him credit for, for that. I've, I've had these conversations before and with then, friends. So we, yeah. did a, we did a few subjects, and we did find a point of agreement. Mm. Don't like Hillary. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a, I, 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 said, I, I suppose that's a victory. And I said, and I said well, but. I don't. I think the reasons I don't like Hillary are different than the reasons you don't like Hillary. Yeah, <laughs> Don, have you had any uh, uncomfortable conversations about politics? Not really. Mostly because I sort of refuse to engage yeah. with um, with people. I have my opinions are very strong mm-hmm. and largely unequivocal. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I believe that this current administration means to do me harm. Right. Yeah. Like I take oh, it yeah. actually personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I am one of those people that's guilty of very little tolerance mm-hmm. for the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I totally hear you. Um, prior to you know, prior to this particular administration, I was very, um, very open to mm-hmm. conversation. Like I would. You know, I engaged in many kind of Hillary versus Bernie uh-huh. conversations mm-hmm. at that point, you know, because I was a, a Bernie in the primary. But then, of course, I voted for Hillary 100 percent in the mm-hmm. general. Yeah. Um, so I was open to those kind of conversations. But that part of me is kind of gone mm-hmm. now, I mean, right. especially with a lot of the stuff that's going on just in this last week with these um, abortion bans popping oh, up in different states. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you about another one today. Current, current another events. one today. Yeah. Um, was it Missouri? Is it Missouri or Mississippi? Uh, I think it was. I can't remember. I, and I've got it. Uh, I think I have it written down here. Oh, Missouri. Yeah. It is Missouri. Yeah. Banning abortions after eight weeks. I mean, right. uh, these states right. are just following suit. And I think that um, the there's an appellate court that blocked one yes. mm-hmm. abortion ban. Yes. The, um, I think it was the Alabama, but it might have been Georgia. There's just yeah. so many of them. Pick, pick yeah. one. And we've had so many guests talk about this. We've had David Valer, who runs Generation Theater. He mm-hmm. talked about it. And this was while um, Kavanaugh was mm-hmm. getting elected. And he, right. he had, he, you know, David Valer had said, hey, you're going to see these um, these people challenging the right. courts right. to see what they can get passed through or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think it's horrible. I think I just feel so bad for women. Well, we, in my two visits. Yes, yes. Because uh, the other one was Brandon, my friend. Yes. Old friend. I sat staring at CNN. During that whole visit, yeah. and then I go to my brother's house. The TV's on, and I know that that's a very Southern California thing. Yeah, I, I, I've grown up with it. I understand it. I mm-hmm. don't, and they're so shocked. You don't have a TV? No, I don't. 
But at my brother's, I don't even pay attention to it. Is till after that conversation, and I was like, okay, so I know what's on the TV. And sure enough, it's Fox. Fox, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's. Uh, I'll just run into you know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. We usually talk yeah. about current events. I, I, there's a story that I read today. Allison Felix. I don't know if you know who she is, but Uh-oh. she is a, uh, a runner. She's a track and field runner. Oh, the one that woman. was banned. She. Well, I don't think she. No, she wasn't banned. I think you talk about a transgendered woman. Who was who was banned? No, there's a woman who's got high testosterone, and they were not going to let her run anymore. I heard about that. Now she made the I, if you call it a mistake of being pregnant, and now Nike oh, will not pay her. Yes, 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 yes. Nike won't. This? I didn't hear about this. She was on contract with Nike, right? And then under contract negotiations, I was listening to a sports uh, podcast earlier today while mm-hmm. I was redacting and doing really boring stuff. <laughs> In any case, um, she was on contract with Nike, and she didn't want to tell them that she was pregnant. Right. And, uh, of course, she gave birth to a child, and her doctor says, listen, you can either run or you can you know, feed your child. Right. Uh, but you can't do both because right. you're going to put yourself in risk. So, of course, she is catering to her child, and Nike basically says, listen – we're going to cut your con- we're going to cut your salary by 70% or your contract by 70%. Right. That must be illegal. It should be illegal. Well, it's I don't know if it's criminal. Uh it's certainly you can civil. I mean, you can sue. I mean, in terms of just labor law and yeah. and her right to maternity well, what leave. Well, absolutely. But what state is it out of? Oh, yeah. It's maternity. Oh. It's just absolutely horrible. So that's what's going on. Also, with women, um, there's a guy named Christopher Cleary, who is one of these incels, involved celibate guys. And this is interesting because it gets into First Amendment rights. But basically, he was threatening women. I'm going to kill you, that sort of stuff. I'm not getting enough sex. You know, I can't tell you how many problems, you know, we can solve if men just handled our libido. In any case, um, we should go back to ancient (laughs) times and have the um, the temples again. Mm -hmm. You could go in there, get your problem handled. Move on. Yeah. So in any case, in Colorado, he was, because he violated his probation, they sentenced him to five years for simply stating it. Yay. On Facebook. Yes. And there are people who are saying, well, wait a minute, what about his First Amendment rights to free speech or whatever? He's and threatening this is a, somebody. Yeah. <clears throat> what right do you have to threaten? But there, but there will be a challenge. Good. So So, so oh. that that is interesting. Will but, it go to but, the Supreme Court? Yeah. Maybe. But Colorado, they did. That judge did what a lot of judges would not do, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, you, when you said he violated his probation, okay, right. already, <laughs> right. red flag. Right, right. Ab- absolutely. Red flag. And, mm-hmm. you know, and threatening someone harm is mm-hmm. not protected. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Covered. Like I said, you know, you, c- you can't yell fire in a theater because, right. you know, you know the ramifications are people are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. On John Walker Lind, uh, the American talent, remember out. him? He but got out. he did out. 17 years. 17 years. And, and Trump was complaining. I was like, dude did 17 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did he do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't and you feel like you need to lock him up some more? Mm-hmm. He looks pathetic. Yeah. And we've got, you know, uh, people are arguing over the Mueller report and uh, Ben Carson evicting undocumented immigrants from public housing. Did you know about that? I didn't know about it. I just saw the AOC... When yeah. she grilled him, yeah, yeah. it was brilliant because he was so he does that smarmy thing where he sits there, yeah, and he waits, and she trapped mm-hmm. him. She totally, yeah. So this, you said this right, and mm-hmm. you know this is happening, right? Do you think that's right? Mm-hmm. Well, are you going to do something about this? Well, uh, well, you know, there was a Democrat. There was a Democrat. I think she was a House rep- member of House of Representatives who clocked him because he didn't know what an ROI is, right? Uh, he thought it was Oreo or something, or thought yes, that someone thought misinterpreted it him. Yes, obviously he's woefully underqualified. To put a tap, a clap, and put a, put a 
lid on this. <laughs> Don, what do you think overall of what's going on? Are you optimistic about 2020? Do you think that, you know, it's, it's fascinating we're doing women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Because, I would love to hear somebody <laughs> yeah, optimistic about 20. You know, because it all ties into women's issues. I mean, we do a madcap comedy, but it's about, you know, angst and, and yeah. what women go through. And Yeah. I, I want to be optimistic about 2020. Yeah. I am one of those very foolish people that um, – that in 2015 and 2016, as we were gearing up, I was like, "This ju- it's just not going to happen. People mm-hmm. aren't going to let this happen. Yeah. Right. And then it did. And I kid you not, every single day since then, I wake up like, what? how yeah. is this still the president? What? Right. How? It's so surreal. Yeah. When, when, when he was announced, I thought, okay, well, tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> somebody's going to fix this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is so shady. And it Some just of the Republicans continues. who have said... All kinds of things against him who are now lockstep. That's exactly yeah. right. Now, what I what I do think is that there's a um, a great number of Democratic candidates. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot for us on the left or left leaning mm-hmm. to talk about. That's exciting yeah. as yeah. we kind of narrow the field mm-hmm. and, and and as individuals we start to prioritize. So I I feel really great about the people that we're looking at on mm-hmm. the left. Right. Um, what I'm worried about is do we have the strength right. um, to topple what's going right. on? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I've always said that if it weren't for a couple of people within a couple of districts in swing states, because mm-hmm. three million more people voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I really think that this is just a blip, that I think he'll be a one-term president. I mean, I'm very optimistic, and I think that mm-hmm. there were people who were – uh, I don't want to say lackadaisical or lethargic. They were like, well, you know, uh, and, and I think people are now educated. You can't just vote for a candidate who is, you know, sexy or who will um, – who you who activates you. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's a consequence mm-hmm. to not voting. Right. And I think that people – you know, if, it, if there's a civic lesson to be learned with Trump being elected is this is what happens when you don't get involved. Mm-hmm. And well, I th- but there's also a lot of people who just feel – what's the word? Um, alienated. They feel left out. And yeah. Uh, and there are some candidates talking in a way that will hopefully mm-hmm. resonate with those people. That's got to happen. Yeah. That, that needs to be different than 2016. Yeah, yeah. You can't just ignore a huge <coughs> proportion of the population and expect that mm-hmm. you're just going to get the right numbers and this is going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. either way, even if we get what we want, these people still are here. We are going to have to live in the same country with them. We better mm-hmm. start figuring out how yeah. we can communicate. Yeah. And I realize that politics is cyclical. I think that's a word. Right. Where, you know, eight years a Democrat cyclical, becomes yeah. president or, you know, eight years a Republican mm-hmm. becomes president. And, you know, this is sort of a natural cyclic thing. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. being upset when I was a, in high school when Reagan got elected. Right. And I was like, oh, well, okay, so maybe the Republicans. So the United States would not be a, a – um, I mean, we can't have Democrats all the time or Republicans all the time. So, but there's something unnatural with what's mm-hmm. happening yeah, here. Yeah, this is this is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Different. So uh, almost daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but I'm hopeful. <gasps> with that said, mm-hmm. Don Monique Williams, uh, let's hear an origin story. I mean, how did you get involved in theater? When did the bug bite you? Um, I, lo- <laughs> I I love telling this story so much. Um, because it gets right to one of my like primary um, artistic missions. So um, when I was a kid, my mom worked for a radio station, and mm. radio stations, you know, they do promotions. Mm-hmm. 
And if the prize winners didn't pick up their promotional gifts, the employees got to keep them. Mm. So we saw a lot of shows that way. Uh, and um, The Wiz, mm -hmm. starring Stephanie Mills, wow. was on tour through Oakland playing at the Paramount. I was mm. about six years yeah. old. So you're a native. I am an Oakland native. Right on. Um, went to Berkeley schools, K through 12. Mm -hmm. um, child of divorced parents, so split my time between Oakland and, and Berkeley through mm -hmm. my youth. So I usually say, oh, I'm from Oakland. And then my Berkeley friends are like, you ain't Berkeley all day. <laughs> so I just yeah. set the record straight, I, both. Um, but, yeah, I was six years old, and my mom took me to the Paramount to see The Wiz. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen anything like that before. Right. I certainly don't remember ever going I to live theater. Like yeah. Um, and I was like, Mom, uh, I want to do that. Now, mm -hmm. my mom isn't doesn't have, like, a lot of theater background. Mm -hmm. So she put me in dance and music because that was how she interpreted right. I want to do that. So I started mm -hmm. out dancing and choir and all that stuff you know really when i was six years old and then by the time i got to high school that's when i discovered oh that you could be in also non-musical mm -hmm. plays but mm -hmm. I, but at that time i thought i was gonna be a, a chorus girl i mean i thought i was gonna be queen of the ensemble mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so all through high school i went to berkeley high i did you know almost all the plays all the musicals and went to college thinking that i was gonna be an actor mm -hmm. and then in my early 20s I sort of shifted to directing and, mm -hmm. and um, in part that had to do with the parts that I was being cast to play in right. um, felt very limiting now you know I was chunky brown 18 year old and nobody was writing those right. roles to begin with right. so it felt a lot like oh I'm going to be a sidekick or I'm always going to play a teen mom and I, you know, and and I was really going out for like a lot of student films and stuff, and I was mm. always playing like um, you know, like some angry black mm. woman, right. or sometimes I was getting cast for um, for a lot of Latina roles, which today I wouldn't put myself out for those parts. Mm -hmm. But right. at eighteen, everybody right. just You're tells just you play something. what you look. Yeah, sure. You look yeah. Latina, play the Latina part. So mm. at eighteen, I was. Um, and, and two things kind of happened at the same time. One, I was introduced to Shakespeare, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which prior to that I had really hated mm -hmm. in high mm -hmm. school. You know, you learn in your English class right. and I was like, this is boring. This doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. I was like really militant in high school, I think in part because I went to Berkeley High, which at the time was the only high school that had an African-American studies department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is just white supremacy and this is Eurocentric and did it. You know, mm -hmm. so I was not here for Shakespeare, but I did the summer training conservatory at act when i was like 20 and my acting teacher i told him my angst about just always playing you know the mm -hmm. sidekick or the welfare <coughs> mom or tommy gomez who oh, acted okay. in the bay area for yeah, yeah. many many years mm -hmm. um and will return this summer to be at shakespeare santa cruz santa cruz shakespeare oh, i never really oh. remember the name change but right um but he said well what about shakespeare and i was like oh, i don't understand it and he said, well, more actors of color get work doing Shakespeare mm -hmm. than anything else in the regional theater. And this was in the late 90s. It's right. probably still a true statistic. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, but learning Shakespeare as a performer, having to embody it, do it on his feet, completely different experience right. than in the okay. English class. Yep. So I fell in love with Shakespeare, and then I became obsessed with performing Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So then I was on a classical acting track for a spell. And then realized that even with that, 
directing gave me opportunities to kind of orchestrate a larger mm-hmm. vision. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was in my mid-20s, I was sort of singularly focused on directing mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but I have a 17-year-old who graduates high school on Friday. Yay! Thank you. Where, 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 here? In Ashland, Oregon. Oh, right, right. On. yes. yes. Um, and, and, and a life with her has made me realize how fortunate I am that from the time I was six, mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. while that has shifted, it's still been a life in the theater. Right. Yeah. And how impossible a task we lay before 17 and 18-year-old oh, yeah. children when yep. we say to them, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and what a gift it is. Um, to be an artist, as discouraged as it may be in some households, mm-hmm. a real gift because I always had a vision. I always right. had a path, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have that sense of, like, I'm supposed to have these answers mm-hmm. as a young adult right. that I don't have because I did always have the answers. Yeah, yeah. Never had the financial stability, mm-hmm. but I always had the answers. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> now, did you miss – because, you know, when I hear – you know, there's some folks who do directing because they're like, well, I'm burned out of acting, whatever, but do you miss being on stage? Every now and then I I miss it, but I don't miss it the way I imagine like a true actor mm-hmm. in their soul yeah. would miss it. I sometimes miss the community of it, the camaraderie of it. You mm-hmm. know, we'll open Women on the Verge next week. Sure. And I'll be gone and you all will just be getting started. Yeah. Right. And I miss that part of it. Yeah. You know, that like being in community with the performers Mm -hmm. being with the show for the duration yeah um it's sort of like after opening night the director is uh, not persona non grata not that but like it's a little bit like a soft breakup yeah Mm -hmm. i hear you Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like it was it was great and we should get together again (laughs) sometime (laughs) yeah norman do you ever feel that way uh do you like a disconnect because actors you know we're told to like i remember being in school and we talked about communion and Mm -hmm. connecting with actors so that the life is alive on stage. Well, I will, I will say as a director, I, I've i grown into the collaborative side of it, so I still feel connected. In fact, I'm, and I'll talk more about it out later, but um, I'm directing tomorrow morning uh, one of the pieces for the best of um, Playground. Playground, yeah. Oh, wow. And um, it's a uh, full length, you know, so they've done, they've done this thing where they, best of is just the little 10 minute scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, they commission a couple of those playwrights mm-hmm. in each year to go ahead and write a full piece, and this is one of those. So, and it's a black comedy, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a twi- it's going to be a tw- <laughs> twist is what's coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a trip, yeah, um, to to go through that. But um, the collaborative side of things, because there's so many times, especially with these, where you get a couple of rehearsals and you got to put it up. You better be taking the suggestions and, and offers that actors are making mm-hmm. to make this all come together. Otherwise, you got a lot more work and no time to make it happen. Yeah. So I've learned that over the years, and I love that aspect of it. The place where I feel left out is because I'm older now. Mm-hmm. So the last show I did, Everyday Alice, they'd go, and we're, you know, at Piano Fight. So you finish the show, there's the bar right there, and they're giving you drink tickets. Hey, <laughs> let's hang out. So they start talking about these shows. I don't know any of these shows. Okay. I don't know the music they're talking about. They're making jokes about. 
you know. Oh, you're talking about TV shows and all the pop, yeah. yeah. And uh, and and other things. I mean, things that they've been reading, whatever. You know, Harry Potter. No, didn't miss the books and (laughs) didn't bother with the movies. So (laughs) yeah, you know, what house are you? That became a big thing for a couple of nights in the dressing room. What house are you? What the heck? I have no idea. So yeah. I realized that's a bigger disconnect for me. Yeah. Um, because it, because I keep acting. So like today I had an audition uh, callback. Yeah. And and he said, "Well, try it this way." And I'm like, "Okay, you, this piece that I just sort of half memorized, you want me to make some adjustments?" Okay, great. And then he says, "No, totally wrong for the play." Just want to see what you're going to do with it. Try it this other way. So I go a totally different direction with it. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there just, he seems happy, and I'm happy. He says, how do you feel? I said, I'm loving this piece. The more we do with it, the more I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. So I get to keep putting that hat on, yeah. back on. Yeah. But I hate that day when it's like, okay, audience is about to come in. <sighs> okay, I'm going to put my notes away. Uh, I'm going to let that go, and I'm going to sit here and just in the audience getting to be a part of this because yeah. yeah, my job right. is yeah. over. Yeah, You know, the interesting thing about connecting, I mean, there's a yin and a yang to it. I mean, you know, there are certain people who get into theater because they want to find that community and connect with the actors or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are some folks who are like, hey, listen, this is a job. I will connect as much as I can to get the job right. done. Once it's done, i got to move on. There are people, people famously that here with in that. the Bay Area. There are yeah. some people who, boy, the show is over and they're nice as heck, but you turn around and where, where'd Mark go? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Talk to me about um, Oregon. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you found a home in Ashland, Oregon. Um, I did for a while. Yeah. I did for a while. So leaving is a little bittersweet. Um, you know, uh, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival was somewhere that was very aspirational right. for mm-hmm. me for many, many years. And in 2013, I was awarded their Killian Directing Fellowship. Wow, that's mm. amazing. Yeah. So I went for that season, and what was you know just a one-season-long fellowship, I said, oh, my goodness, this this is what a national theater should be. They right. do 11 plays in rep, four mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. typically are Shakespeare, but they also right. do musicals, new plays. Yeah. New black plays. Yes. And I'm, then now they're expanding that, which is amazing. It, it's just so exciting mm-hmm. there that I was like, how can I make this an artistic home? And the um, the currently outgoing artistic director, Bill Rausch, and I apply to the theater communications group, TCG, mm-hmm. um, which is a national service organization for American theater, for a what was called a Leadership U residency grant, mm-hmm. um, which we were awarded. So essentially, they pay my salary right. for two years mm-hmm. while I was essentially a, like an apprentice to Bill Rausch. Mm-hmm. So I was his artistic associate for um for two and a half years then kind of just like serendipitously um he hired me to direct mary wives of windsor for 2017 at the same time that um that they were hiring for a new position Mm -hmm. for a, a essentially a diversity officer so the woman who had been managing the apprenticeship program that they call there the fair programs for the fellows um, assistants, interns, um, she took on that diversity officer on an interim basis, so they hired me to manage the apprenticeship program. Mm. So I did that for an additional two years. So I was a resident artist. I was teaching in the education department, managing the apprenticeship thing. I worked on as associate director, dramaturg. I mean, I really, I really was fully 
integrated into um, the artistic side of things, mm-hmm. and I was on the artistic staff. Um, so I really got the benefit of six seasons there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then Bill announced that he was um, leaving his mm-hmm. position to, to head another theater. And that sort of everybody knows that when the AD is going to leave, that sort of signals right. a transition is coming and everybody in the artistic mm-hmm. office uh, should be just considering what their options are. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, for me, aligned with my daughter finishing her time oh. at, in the Ashland School District. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I started kind of putting feelers out for other things mm-hmm. to kind of see what would be next for me and in my journey. Yeah. Um, Is that when you connected with uh, Susan Evans? In town hall? Well, Susan actually and I have a little bit longer history than that because wow. when Susan took over, it's not a long history, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit longer than town hall. When Susan took over at the Douglas Morrison, yes, one of my longtime friends, mentors, former bosses, Christine Plowright, you might know her from DMT. Yes. She said, hey, they have a new mm-hmm. AD here. She's dynamite. She's looking to kind of offer opportunities to new people, reach out to her. I had just finished grad school, just got my MFA in directing. So I emailed Susan. Susan first hired me to do a reading Mm -hmm. at DMT. Then she gave me an opportunity to direct. um, They were experimenting with doing an off-site production, so Mm -hmm. she hired me to do James and the Giant Peach at DMT. Then she hired me to do, by the way, Meet Vera Stark, Bill and Nottage Play. I remember that one. Mm. Um, so she hired me to do that at TNT. And Kari Moy was in that, right? Kari was in that. That's right. Mm. Kari was. So um, so when she left DMT and moved over to Town Hall, um, it was kind of, you know, she, she reached out and she was like, hey, I don't know if you can leave Ashland or I, I don't know what your arrangement is there in Ashland, but I'm taking over here at Town Hall and I have a show that I think you'd be the right director for and – um, and it's not uncomplicated because I'm a union director and a lot of the local small theaters here can't right. pay the, the union minimum. Mm-hmm. But I felt like Susan was an artistic director that had invested in me over time right. yeah. um, and had really given me opportunities when maybe some other artistic directors weren't mm-hmm. that I said, well, let's ask the union mm-hmm. what the concession would mm-hmm. be because I don't I, I don't want to make this decision about the money. Right. Because we have a relationship, mm-hmm. and I believe in your mm-hmm. vision and your leadership. Yeah. Which, which union? Is, is this equity or is this something I'm else? I'm not equity. This is something else. It's called the Society for Stage Directors and Choreographers. Okay. So it covers directors and choreographers. And in, and in New York, um, it, in certain instances, also covers associate directors and fight directors. Mm. But that's not. That hasn't expanded nationwide, so that's a little bit more specific to the needs of New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, in uh, uh, it's the limitations are different than what actors might experience once they join Equity. My union would never tell me that I couldn't work at a certain theater, mm-hmm. but they need to ask the theater what the resources are, and then they tell the theater, th- given those resources, this is what you mm-hmm. should pay. Oh, right. interesting. Got but it. if the member wants to take a concession, then I just work that out with the union. Where mm-hmm. they're not flexible, I don't want to say it that way, my union is great, um, where they kind of hold the line is for your health contribution and mm-hmm. your pension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So using town hall as an example, there's a tier, like a rubric that says right. this is what the health is, this is what the pension is. So they say, you have to pay that. Right. So then Susan says, okay, well, once we pay that, this is what's left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say, I agree to that. Mm-hmm. And my union says, she agrees to that, then we agree to that. Right. So it keeps town hall's budget pretty much intact. Mm-hmm. It just means that another director at town hall who's not in the union at the end of the day, they have more cash in their pocket than I have in mine. Right. Sure, because they're not they're not being covered <laughs> for for health and all that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. But at least you have an insurance. I mean, your the union mm-hmm. is making sure that you are taken care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which is important. You know, setting standards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know, in forty years, will I'll be really thankful that I've done that because mm-hmm. as I look at my career trajectory, mm-hmm. I haven't worked any one place long enough to sure. be vested to have right. a pension. I don't have anything. Yeah, because I've lived a life of a of an itinerant mm-hmm. artist. Yeah, so. yeah, the working artist. No, with no, I totally child. understand. Yeah, with, with a, a child. child. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you were talking about Susan Evans and investing so much time with you. I knew Susan Evans during the time of Eastenders Repertory Company oh. with the late Chuck yeah. Polly, and yeah. you know there are tons of shows. I'm looking at the posters right now where Susan has you know directed me. I think when I had a right. role, she said she counted. I've been in six shows of, of, of oh. Susan Evans. Huh. So Susan has a mm-hmm. history of pulling people who she loves and cares for and nurturing them. Right. Yes. And yeah. it's a wonderful story about theater where well, people help vision. each other out. She has, yes. a, she has an amazing vision. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I really believe in her leadership. Yeah. And it's a little sad that, uh, you know, she should have stayed at the DMT. I don't want to, you know, get on the DMT. Well, the but DMT had a different vision. Sure. Yeah. And they weren't ready for that. And their audience wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah. And so it's funny because... Um, I had a friend die recently, Paul Rose, older man, who I dragged into a reading at the DMT. Loved him and loved it. Uh, the stuff that she was bringing in, that audience just wasn't sure. They were sitting there yeah. kind of going, oh, this this isn't bad. Yeah. Um, what are you doing next? Yeah. Yeah. They were not comfortable. Which is <laughs> odd because thinking, you know, we did Four Men in Paris at the DMT. Of course, mm-hmm. it was only four shows. Right. But we had, you know, gay, you know, two men in bed together. We had, you know, it was the story of James Baldwin. We had Richard Wright, you know, glass throwing, you know, a fight, you know, I'm almost sure reminiscent of <laughs> who's reading Virginia Woolf. I was like, did you guys read the script? <laughs> when the board discussed that, I'm sure all of that was like, well, that was that was interesting. Yeah, but we were we were a rental. We were renting it. It right. wasn't part of their okay. their thing. So right. that, I guess that makes sense. But still, it's kind of sad because Susan wanted to bring in more people than, you know, those older folks. I was happy to see her land at the town hall. I was, too. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. too. I really think she has great vision. But the the humor in it all, to me, was when she said that, um, you know, that she could she was trying to take risks. And, and I was mm-hmm. like, Eurydice? That's your risk? You know? <laughs> so to right. me, I mean, I think she has great taste. Sure. But right. it didn't it didn't seem avant-garde exactly. or risky. She's, she's it was pushing. It, yeah. was, it was healthy, mm-hmm. rigorous, balanced. Yeah. We did yeah. Grey Gardens. That's not risky. We did One well, Tune in the Shade and but Adaptation. But you're coming into a traditional theater yeah. audience. Yeah. This yeah. is an old school They want Annie Get Your Gun, audience. I guess. <laughs> they, they, do. they do. They do. They, they do. They want Carousel. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's fine. Want. And, and, you know, it's it's a shame. I mean, you know, when people th- talk about theater, you know, when we talk mm-hmm. about theater, we talk about, you know, risky theater where, you know, it's we're engaging the mind. And, you know, we had people I've asked folks, you know, what happens if you bring in a show and people don't want to see it? You know, is it worth taking, you know, risking? That's a question for you. Do you mind? There's entertainment. I'm going to give people exactly what they want. If they want, you know, the chocolate cake, give them the chocolate cake. Or do you want to challenge the audience? Both. 
Yeah. I think absolutely both. And I, and I think if you um, engender, um, you know, trust with a, with a long-time subscriber base, that they will go with you on a journey. They might write you some letters, sure. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, that, that trust, that good taste, that, that giving them that little, little champagne mm-hmm. has to earn you something where you say, okay, I came all the way to you, and now with this next one, meet me halfway. Yeah. Meet me halfway. Um, and, and that's going to be part of the challenge, I think, for me in stepping into this role as associate artistic director at Aurora, Aurora yeah. is that the new AD there, Josh Costello, who has the good fortune of having been with the company already for right. seven years, yeah. so he knows those patrons very well, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to alienate them, but he does want um, other people to join to right. join us, not replace those mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. but to join us in the audience. And in order to do that, you have to actually offer those mm-hmm. people something. Yeah. So that's going to be the like, okay, people who have already been coming on this journey with us, can you trust us mm-hmm. to still exercise impeccable taste, mm-hmm. but offer you some new stories that might challenge you a little bit. Right. It's not to alienate you, but yeah, it it might not be the same exact thing that you're used to mm-hmm. but we're we're trying to still have your trust in that yeah mm-hmm. um and and i think that that's what any theater who ha- is doing you know five six shows you have you get so many stories to tell yeah right. you have to take a, a risk yeah and whether that's with this with the story with the conventions of the story with mm-hmm. the artists who are making the story there i mean otherwise what are we doing yeah <laughs> i mean we get right. we get, we get tax exempt status <laughs> to do service in our communities right so then let's actually service those communities and mm, if yeah. you look at the aurora if you sit in that aurora audience and you look who's sitting there next to you you say this is not the same people that i would see on the corner of shattuck and addison that's exactly so, right yep. so i want to see these people still but i also want those people that are at the corner of yeah. Shattuck and Addison to turn down the street yeah. and come into this space. Is the theater well, servicing the community or not? That's the big, I mean, it's so funny because as a young man looking at theater, there's theater, <coughs> there's TV, there's film, there's all this, why why pick the stage? And as I became a director, that was even a more important question. You know, if you've got all the resources possible to make a story, why would you limit yourself to what you could do on stage? And I realized... Oh, there are stories. I mean, there are stories that are still deep in my heart because they utilize the stage. They create a reality mm-hmm. that can only exist on stage. It's yeah. a theatrical experience. Exactly. And, and yeah. that audience, you know, hopefully your community starts saying, ooh, I don't know about that thing, but I, I'm aware of it and I want to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's because especially you're next door to Berkeley Rep. Your mission can't just be mm-hmm. you can't just be the little theater next to next Berkeley to Berkeley Rep. Rep. Exactly, yeah, right. you know. Yeah, and and the Aurora hasn't been. I mean, the Aurora. What I love about I remember the Aurora from when they were in a little tiny space, mm-hmm. and man, you'd go to one of those shows and it was exciting, and especially the talent. They've always gotten this incredible level of talent, so you are this close to an actor <laughs> yeah. who is just making it work, and you may know that person. You may, I, you know, the actors I'm familiar with, but I also got to know them mm-hmm. the more I was working in the field. And I know him, but 
this character is real for me. Even this close, this character is real. Yeah. Yeah. And the Aurora does that. It's always exciting to sit on one of the sides and to feel like you're not really in the action, but you're not removed from not it. Not removed from it at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember the last show that I saw at the Aurora. They just did one. I think it was a Strindberg piece. Mm. Uh, it only had three actors, but you know it was mm-hmm. very, very engaging. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get one of the actors who was in the play. I, 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 for the life of me, I can't remember it. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to get him on. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I've never been challenged by a movie or a television show because mm-hmm. obviously they want millions of people. You know, they want all this sort of stuff. But the theater has challenged me. Mm-hmm. And when I go to a theater, I'm expecting to see something or see a performance that I've never, ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the uh, the power of theater. Absolutely. I was going to ask a, uh, a question uh, regarding directing. Um, do you ever find that you have to sort of put on the hat of, um, you know, it's it's wonderful when you have, you know, all of the, the actors, you know, they buy, you know, you give them the vision, the arc of the play, and you give them, you know, what you believe your vision is. Um, let's say there's one or two actors that may not get the vision or whatever, or, <laughs> or do you have to, um, I don't know, be, do you have to take off the director hat or and – I don't know, be a counselor or, or try to connect with one person who isn't on the same page. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, I mean, Norman, you might feel differently, but oh, I, I, I think yeah. so much of it is um, it's like a, being a good coach where mm-hmm. part of the job is motivational speaking. Yes. Part of the job is just being that kind of pop psychologist or armchair psychologist. Uh, there is no one way to serve every actor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So part of the job is learning and, and as quick as you can Mm -hmm. where each actor is and how to kind of meet them there. um, While also um, 100% still uh, being in like uh, available to the actors that you're like, Oh good. Got it. But like, Though that actor still needs that affirmation too, sure, even sure. though you feel like, oh, they're good, good to go. I need to really focus over here. But mm-hmm. that actor will start to get insecure if you never yeah, affirm that. You. Yeah. Um, right. So, so for me, it's not even about like, right. oh, let me take this directing hat off. To to me, that's part of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And I, I asked that question because I've, you've directed me twice, Civil War Christmas and Woman on the Verge. Mm. One of the great things about you is you're, you ha- do have a very nurturing quality. Um, of course, you're very focused. You know, you, you never, you know, lead, you, there are a couple of directors who, you know, sometimes we'll get into a one-hour conversation and we're like, hey, mm. we need to get back on track or something <laughs> like that <laughs> for whatever reason because, I don't know, one right. actor's like, you know, this role reminds me of this and that or whatever mm. and – it becomes a bonding session like, hey, you know, we didn't get to give a – and then there's some directors who they are, they have a callus. They're like, listen, I want something done. Just get it. And they become irritated, mm-hmm. and it, it becomes very abrasive, and it's like, oh, my God, when can I get out of here? Mm-hmm. But you have a wonderful combination of being focused but being very nurturing. I mean, people y- – you, you lift, you know, the mm-hmm. actors up, and uh, we feel confident. We're like, hey, you know, we're going to do right for Dawn. And you always have a smile on your face. You're always very, very positive. Oh, thank you. And uh, I think that's a wonderful quality to have. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I do feel like sometimes I – tap that abrasive thing and then I beat myself up about mm-hmm. it because I never right. want to be abusive but I also feel like sometimes I'm wasting time I'm telling jokes mm-hmm. I'm trying to be cute you know? mm-hmm. so, so it's good to know yeah. that that yeah. ha- as an actor you you receive that I'm somewhere in the middle and look with women on the verge you know we 
we have an actor who's like 15 and then up through That's somebody right, who's right. a retired yeah. school teacher. So we really are running the full gamut yeah. in mm-hmm. terms of experience, mm-hmm. skill sets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want um, I don't want to leave anybody um, behind. Right. And I don't want anybody to feel like they are um, bringing the show down. Or, you know, so yeah. mm-hmm. so I, I and I do I I, I really am a, like a type A plus personality. Like I'm so that I have to actually work at like being like chill. Mm-hmm. So it's a practice for me. That, that's odd because, you know, you seem very chill and you seem to be able to connect to multiple people who have multiple personalities and multiple levels at the same time. I do and believe li- in empowering the actors. Yeah. And that's what helps me maintain that mm-hmm. sort of chill. Yeah, and we can segue into. I, I, well, no, I was just going to say I kind of. So I definitely reacted when you asked the question because I'm like, no, there is no taking off. <laughs> but you put it well that yeah. it's all part of the hat. You, mm-hmm. you, what you have to do is assess. What you have to do quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> is assess who you got and what you can do with them. Yeah. And boy, I made the mistake early on as a director. You're doing great work. You're doing wonderfully. And I told you that when I saw you doing it, and then I didn't say nothing else to you. For the rest of the process, and suddenly you're falling apart. We're trying to put everything together, and you're falling apart. And I was like, "Oh, I do need to find that balance. I got to keep reminding you. Yeah, I, I still see you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm working on this over here. I'm sorry, I can't spend more yeah. time with yeah. you. Yeah. But you're doing yeah. really well. I'm liking what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I need to put time over here. Yeah. And we had Susan Evan on, and we there was a show called Sick, and I see the poster there. And mm-hmm. there was one actor who. Susan had said, "Listen, someone's going to do a monologue. You, the actor, you're you're not you don't have any dialogue while this mm-hmm. other person's doing the monologue, but you're going to be in your apartment just doing stuff." And he took a, he just went he, he I don't want to say what he did, but Susan had to stop the rehearsal immediately and say, mm-hmm. "Okay, you've gone too far." Right. But Susan, you know, in the pot while we were talking about this, she said, "You know, it's very important for me." If someone's going in a different direction, to sort of steer them in the right direction without you know, beating them up or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always encourage, encourage, encourage. Yeah, well, and then the other thing with it is because when I was coming out of high school, I thought about, well, am I going to become a lawyer? Am I going to become a doctor? Psychiatrist seems like a really cool job. You know, so I have interest in those areas. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in a rehearsal process, I am not here. This is not therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are having a – what I've learned is that pl- – to make the environment safe, to yeah. create a safe environment for this to happen. Mm-hmm. So when you go to a a dangerous place, yeah, then yes, and it's useful to the process. That's wonderful. Now we have to take some time, mm-hmm. and I have to give you some time to kind of ground that sure. someplace so that you can – I don't need you coming in and being crazy on my stage. The character might be crazy. Yeah, I, I really need a human being who could actually come in and yeah. perform every night. Yeah, and well, not go away crazy. When I studied at school, we studied method acting, but it was very clear to me that whatever method you have, whether it be um, I don't know the um, I can list all of them, but it's got to suit the play. It's got to suit the character and nothing more. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't. It can't be more or less. And, of course, if you're going to be an actor, it's got to suit the play. I mean, you can't work out your own issues. We've talked about this many, many, many right. times. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and there are those people, and if it's useful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially like what we did was Richard Wright was one of the central characters. That actor needed a lot of encouragement and, and coaching and pretty much every skill I had. And 
I'm like, okay, I have to factor this into my rehearsal process. I have to. Mm-hmm. Where with there were a couple other actors, I didn't know how much I could get out of them or couldn't. There were useful places where I could use them if I could get them there, and that ended up growing into a whole. We had a cafe, and those two, the cafe people, ended up really growing in wonderful ways that I hope were grounded in the script, but I felt more importantly just brought the play to life. They they added something. And part of it was seeing the actress was – she's an older actress. Oh, Laura Mishler. And yeah. by by the time we were performing, she was an attractive cafe lady, <laughs> which I hadn't quite said. I just said that there was a, a flat – a um, flirtation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going on between mm-hmm. them and that it develops. I wanted it to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, but just giving her that much and then kind of setting it. And for me, it really was as simple as, no, I need you to come in at this point because I want you to hear this little bit mm-hmm. as you get a cup or bring a coffee out or whatever it is you're doing. So it's partly of it is technical, but part of it is telling story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if that would sink in or not. And it sank in so beautifully. I was like, oh, I, that's I, wonderful. I can't just be happy about it. <laughs> I'm like, I did that, but I did that because they did that. Yeah. Yeah. So great. No, those, are, those are wonderful moments. We can talk about Women on the Verge. Did you choose Women on the Verge, or was that something that Town Hall chose Town and they brought Hall you in? Town Hall had already decided on that. They had okay. already programmed the season. And, in fact, Susan did talk to at least one other director about it before she mm-hmm. talked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had been introduced to the musical before by uh, oh. by a friend. Mm-hmm. And the first time I listened to it, I was like, mm, you know, I wasn't that into it. But it had grown on me. So by the time that Susan mm-hmm. uh, had approached me about it, I had become a very big fan of the musical, and so I was like, "Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah, I totally wanted, totally want to do it." Um, uh, and and another great thing about Susan is is she knows that um, musicals mm-hmm. is something that I want to uh, build out my resume with oh. more because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I spent so long kind of branding myself as a Shakespeare director because as mm-hmm. a woman of color mm-hmm. with if I didn't billboard that I was interested in right. Shakespeare and had the skills to do it nobody would hire me for that so right. I spent so much time doing that yeah. that then it was like but there are these other things I want to do too that mm-hmm. nobody was looking at me for sure yeah so um so again Susan with just coming in with these tremendous opportunities so I really jumped at the chance and was mm-hmm. kind of grateful to the the other director mm-hmm. directors who mm-hmm. um turned it down <laughs> yeah no no, no. We, we were very very lucky and uh, we're seeing so much wonderful life mm-hmm. you know coming in i mean i you know I'm, I'm sure it's funny when you do these rehearsals like oh my god and sing the song over and over and over again but mm-hmm. no i mean it's wonderful seeing my fellow actors really growing it in really, the roles day yeah. by day yeah. i mean just from when we did act one on tuesday to when we did act one last night mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. growth is just so tremendous Yay. yeah 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 we always like find things New and things. uh yeah um, I'm curious. Um, I, I want to ask about some of the Ashland shows because mm-hmm. I I have been working at a middle school. In fact, the kids are probably there like now. Um, every year they go at the end of the yes. school year. Um, we study the, some of the shows that they're going to go see. Yes. So this year I did Mother Road. Yes. Um, last year, no, it wasn't last year. I think it was two years ago. It was um, Hannah. And the director's evil. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was curious. And the one I wanted to do last year was Manahata. Manahata. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do that, and I couldn't even get a script. Uh huh. And by the time we were making decisions, the school the school doesn't really know much about theater. They kind of depend on Lilia. us to do that. Huh. 
And so, yeah, I was happy. I, I know Octavia, so I was able to get a copy of it, and I read it, and I went, yes, this will work. We're, it's so we're, stunning. We're work. Oh, my God. It was so embarrassing. I sent to him. I'm like, so I'm, I read it, and there's this thing going on with the – is this like a Greek – is this a musical, or is this like a Greek chorus? And he said, no, more like a Greek chorus. I'm like, okay, I totally know how to direct this. Great. I got this. Yay. Yeah, yeah. But I was wondering if you got to play with some of those. Because that's – I've watched Ashland start to bring in all these world premieres world and premieres black plays. New plays, yes. And I'm like, wow, that has got to be – to be up there doing that has got to be incredible. It's tremendous. It's tremendous. And that those plays are then put in conversation with a Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. to me, is how we continue to keep that Shakespeare relevant. Like, if we're only – focused on Shakespeare, then we're, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. Mm-hmm. Who, who are our Shakespeare's? Who are our living writers who are giving us new, breathing stories, mm-hmm. fresh for the stage? Um, I didn't work on any of those in the mm-hmm. rehearsal room, but, um, but as somebody who's part of the education staff, mm-hmm. I did a lot of um, what they call prefaces, so like sure. pre-show mm-hmm. things on Manahata specifically. Right. Um, oh man! I it's, did many conversations it's a gorgeous on that play. one. Um, mm-hmm. The do you want to say? Uh, I, I'm happy to. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of it's it's set across time periods, and mm-hmm. then um, the kind of time period that is like feels like immediately relevant to us is around 2008, the housing crisis. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and we're looking at a young woman who is essentially works on Wall Street for Lehman Brothers. And at the same time that she's kind of climbing the ladder in her career, her family back home in Oklahoma is losing mm. their home. Oh, wow. And they're losing yeah. their home because yeah. they refinance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we see now how she's a little bit complicit sure. in mm-hmm. that. It's almost right. like Wall Street. Yeah. The movie Wall Street. Yeah. And then we go even further back yeah. at looking at when the colonizers, settlers, whichever mm-hmm. term you use, actually came and started to occupy her ancestral, because she's a Native American, she's indigenous, her ancestral homes that were in what we now call Wall Street, the Lenape people, actually had that land. So it's this sort of, you know, you used to use the word cyclical, Mm -hmm. so it's this sort of thing where where we're looking across many generations at Mm -hmm. how this same thing is re- this pattern is repeating itself of yeah. displaced people and how we disenfranchise people and yeah. manipulate people. And, yeah. and, and she's being given opportunities to mm-hmm. choose where her identity is in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the clear, it's a clear, if you choose this, then you lose yeah. this other. Yeah, it's yeah. almost you learn the lessons of your oppressors. You become the it's very so, thing. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was hungry for that. And it's weird because mo- they're not mo- white kids. There are very few black kids, very few Latino kids. There's a mix of everything else, and it's mostly, mostly white. But um, Hannah was the one where I had to go, okay, because that's a family, Korean-American family. Yeah. What am I going to do? And I thought, well, wait a minute. I'll do the same thing I do with the August Wilson plays there because I've done that a couple yeah. of times. Like, have you ever had an argument with your father? That's fences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. what that is. So that's, you know, these are universal stories. They have very specific roots. But what we're trying to do is bring out what is the story we're telling. Yeah. Yeah. What I really loved about Hannah and the Dread Gazebo, and, and I see this happening um, a little bit more as a cultural shift. I mean, like with ACT doing her portmanteau, mm-hmm. um, where, where, where we are actually looking at American stories of 
first generation children, so children of immigrants. Mm-hmm. So rather than it being the story of, oh, this family who came to the U.S. from Korea, we're mm-hmm. looking at the story of an American girl, mm-hmm. right. American woman, yes. Korean, yeah. who has to go to Korea. Right. But that is so foreign to her yeah. because yeah. she's American. Yeah. Right. And learning that about herself and her brother has the character of her brother has this beautiful monologue about um, – being in in Korea and everybody looking the same and that be very like me. Is it racist? He says. Is it racist for me to say? say it's kind of weird because everybody has the same hair as me mm-hmm. and they look like me and they yeah. breathe like me. Yeah. And I think that that is so good for for all of us as Americans <clears throat> to remember that um, that like the immigrant experience is not monolithic. Yeah. Right. And that for first generation, second generation children, they are. American. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. And when they go to the parent, the countries of their parents or grandparents, mm-hmm. there's a huge cultural adjustment for yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, and I'll, I'll put myself in the role, we, and we can really be awful to them here, but they're just right. as American. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of my favorite subjects is assimilation. Mm-hmm. And I talk, you know, like I have, there's another podcast I have, I'm an American too, where I talk to people not born in America to get their assessment of American life. Right. And one of the questions I asked them is, wh- how was American introduced to you when you were in your other country? How mm-hmm. was American sold to you? Right. You know, there are some folks who, they want to be American so much because, you know, we build America as this is the greatest country. This right. is it. You yeah. know, we're number one. And the need to succeed and to, right. you know, to be good, do good for your parents, to, to do well in school yeah. or whatever. You conform. And, and there are times where you lose your identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a powerful it's a powerful thing. It's great to be able to bring those things to the stage and just sort of explode it on an audience. Yeah. I love that. I want the audience. And the way we cast these days where it's all mixed up, it's like, well, I don't know what your family looks like, <laughs> but <laughs> these days my family pretty, pretty. Br-. My mother, I just saw my mother and my mm-hmm. stepfather's wife, and she said, you know, he always said your kids. And I'm like, I know he did because that these were his kids, not your kids, his mm-hmm. kids. Yes. And I said, I know, because I remember it. I think I'm the kid here, so I'm not going to open my mouth, but what are you claiming? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, and now here we are 40-something years later, right. and they're still happily married, and they made this journey together. And I'm like, how do you take – you can't take that from somebody. And when you put it on stage, it just becomes suddenly the audience – I learned it with Thick Description. There was a small company mm-hmm. here for years. Yeah. And um, – yeah, Octavio actually has quite a pedigree with thick description. Um, what I call the popcorn response. You're sitting next to somebody, and suddenly they're going, ooh. And you're like, what? what? And then something else happens, and you giggle, uh-oh, uh-oh. And they're going, what, what, what? That popcorn response in an audience is so great because it means you didn't just come out here to preach to somebody. You made a story that worked and resonated in such a way so that people see it from their position absolutely yeah now we're getting into the one hour mark and uh, before we get into uh, our shout outs and all of that stuff one of the cool things about um so women on the verge there are some lots of wonderful songs there's a lot of you know comedy and y'all gonna do a song for us right (laughs) (laughs) no 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 um We have a good friend of ours, Carolyn Doyle. She was uh, episode 56. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is undergoing, um, she underwent surgery, and there is an Indiegogo campaign uh, for her. She, she's a fellow actress, a uh, wonderful actress. I acted with her in Fear and Misery in the Third Reich. This is when we were members of EastEnders. 
Uh, to make a long story short, she's lost her job. She's struggling with uh, getting her bills paid and what have you. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a campaign to to help her with her funds. And mm-hmm. I think that as actors, you know, we, we would like to help each other out. You know, sometimes we may not hope. have money or funds or resources, but, you know, we can do whatever we can. Mm-hmm. And I, I've contributed, and I'm going to have a link. But what's interesting Great. is that Carolyn, when she was on our podcast, she talked about – what it is get being an older actress, um, you know, as men, we we age, you know, we get back on stage and it's really no big deal. But I think for uh, for women, it, it, the the judgment is just so harsh. Absolutely, can be, yeah. Yeah, and there's a wonderful song. Um, I believe it's called Invisible. Yes, Invisible. Uh, sung by um, Sheila. I forget Sheila's last name. Veramontes. Sheila Veramontes. Shame on me. In any case, Sheila does a fantastic job. And Carolyn, a year ago, talked about this. And I want to play this. As I've gotten older, uh, it has gotten harder. And partly that's because, um, just in general, being a middle-aged woman in society, I have there's a phenomenon that I have started to become invisible. Um, people literally don't see me sometimes. Like, I will, like there's a pizza place um, in my neighborhood. And all these really cute dudes work there. And it's not like, you know, whatever. But, like, they're in their 20s. And, like, right. they literally don't actually see me. I mean, right. it's not personal. It's not – they just I, – I have to really – Not conscious, I'm sure. It's not at all. They're nice guys. <laughs> in <laughs> fact, when I kind of make jokes or – you know, if I come in there with Girl Scout cookies, somehow they see me when I'm selling Girl Scout <laughs> cookies. But, no, I mean, like, they – and so and so I, I do struggle with this feeling of becoming invisible, of becoming not – you know, becoming less relevant, unimportant. Yeah, so that was Carolyn being very, very candid, incredibly mm-hmm. candid. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not to bum people out or whatever, but for two things. Number one, women on the verge, you, you're going to laugh, you're going to have fun, mm-hmm. but there will be scenes where mm-hmm. it, it touches. And I think for women who come, they mm-hmm. will resonate. Absolutely. With with the um, with the performances. I love that clip. It's just you know, it's the life. Echoing or resonating exactly with the art exactly it's not just a reflection. Yeah. <laughs> and the second reason I played it is because if on this link, if you can contribute to Carolyn Doyle, uh, that would be much greatly appreciated. She will certainly appreciate it. And um, one of these things about karma, you know, uh, it you know, if you give, you know, something good mm-hmm. is going to happen to you. I'm not going to put on my religious hat. Uh, people know that I'm a Christian, but um, it's but it's, you, it, but it's you, good too. You create the world that you want to live in. That's right. You yes. know, your actions do create that world. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And with that, shout-outs. Birthdays. Who are we shouting to? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no, that, that was yesterday. I'm like, no, uh, not yesterday. You mean you mean to go? Um, yeah. Let me see. i got to oh, open up God. my Facebook I don't have thing. many at all. Oh, well, okay. So Stephen Randolph was, was an actor. So we yeah, will remember those. Yeah, the late, the late Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah, yeah. singer, wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's the guy who introduced me to karaoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will always be grateful for that. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever go to the alley, Dawn? I don't. Yeah. And the South Bay is an amazing woman, Diana Torres Koss. Mm. She... Um, what she does a lot, I know, is end up being an accompanist. I think she also does some direction and musical direction. Mm. Um, but she's amazing. You talk about musical theater. This is somebody who understands what the mechanic of making that show works is. Nice. Her birthday is coming up this week. Uh, Blair Zerubic used to be a Bay Area actor. We actually, we ended up being the grunts on um, 
Love's Labor's Lost. Mm. We were we were understudying, so he had like three roles. I had three roles. He was understudying all the clowns. Mm. I was understudying the lovers. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember he got to go on for um, Holofernes. He, he's the old teacher in the play. Yeah. The actor who was regularly playing it looked like what you would imagine a Holofernes would look like. Old guy, big beard, and big eyes. And he came in to rehearsals early in the process and told us, that he had figured out all the Latin. What Shakespeare had written wasn't gibberish. It was bad Latin, and this is what it all was. And he actually gave, he passed out sheets to everybody. Mm. And that's how he did the performances. Those scenes almost never got a laugh. When my buddy Blair went on the one weekend, he was like, no, these are, this is body. When the hot maid from down the way comes on, he suddenly starts getting tongue-tied, and that's what this is about. He did it. He got to go on one weekend. They were all but begging him to just stay in the show because mm. suddenly the audience was cracking up. <laughs> and it's so funny. It's that thing with Shakespeare. People want to make it this elevated intellectual thing. It has those aspects to it. But if it isn't rooted in something very human, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Um, and Brian Lohman, who is a local improviser and teacher. Nice. Okay. Um, today, Dan Weiss, uh, he is a uh, an actor, a uh, Bay Area actor. He turns 35 today. Happy birthday, Dan. <laughs> Also, Diana Blanda. Um, her birthday is Sunday. I acted with her in, uh, we did, oh, shucks, um, Texas Chainsaw Musical. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, a local uh, playwright, uh, Corey Bytoff, had written that uh, based on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Also, on Sunday, uh, beautiful actress, Kehinde Cahoyo. Um, yeah, I, yes. Kehinde, you know mm-hmm. her? I've seen her on stage. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she was in Bat Boy, the musical, mm. uh, and uh, that was at the uh, the Ray of Light Theater. Mm-hmm. Her birthday is Sunday. Uh, let's see. You talk about the late Stephen Randolph. Uh, mm-hmm. He was just a wonderful guy. Oh, man. On Tuesday, um, Rachel Bowman, and she acted in my musical, Nia, and we also shared the stage uh, when we did The Chain. She was my wife uh, on stage, and I, she her birthday is on thir- on. No, I'm sorry, Tuesday, May the 28th. Uh, a mentor of mine, Ernesto, Ernesto Mercer, uh, when I went to school at um, Duke Ellington School of the Arts, uh, he was an upperclassman. And he, you know, he really, really just inspired me and pushed me to be the best that I, that I could be. Mm. Um, a bend, uh, a stiffer, Werner Von Goff. Uh, Bendelstiff, which is a uh, Philippine uh, company, yeah. and he is a member of Bendelstiff. His birthday is Tuesday. Uh, also Tuesday, Adiola Roll, um, one of the last EastEnders shows. EastEnders shows that we did was uh, called um, Oh Pride Open, and uh, I acted with her uh, there. Soyla Hughes, uh, she is another one who is from Ray of Light Theater, a fantastic vocalist, and uh, her birthday is Tuesday. Hmm. And I believe that is it. Wait a minute. You did not mention women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Well, those are the shows. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten to the okay, shows yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you have shows? No, that's actually where I was going to push. Okay, well, no. And what Best is- of Playground. Best of Playground 23, which is happening right now. So mm-hmm. um, if people don't know, Playground uh, does, during their regular season, they do um, the third Monday of the month at Berkeley Rep. They do a series of pieces, six short pieces, 10 minute or less. Um, they bring in all these wonderful actors and directors, and I don't say that just because I'm one, but um, you get to see some wonderful stuff, a lot of fun, fun stuff, thought-provoking stuff. Um, the audience is asked each show to vote 
mm-hmm. on their favorite show. So every month there's a show that kind of becomes the, that one, and all of those get pulled for the best of. Yeah. And then they filter out maybe one or two. And so mm-hmm. the best of is that. Um, plays that have come out through that process and then have been developed into full-length plays. And uh, two produced plays, or at least that's what it's been. Last year was Scapegoat mm-hmm. that I directed. Yeah. Um, and this year I'm directing the 90%. So it's just a staged reading, but mm-hmm. it's the 90%. Uh, it'll be this Sunday. And I had that. Uh, Nick, Nick Spencer mm-hmm. is the um, playwright. And it's black. It's oh. bl- I, t- I, I told my wife it's a black comedy. She says, yeah. you mean it's a black uh, No, uh, it's a comedy with black people. Yeah. Um, so, Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown, uh, we have two previews. That's uh, May the 29th and the 30th. But it opens June the 1st through June the 22nd at the Town Hall Theater, and we'll have a, we'll have a link there. Melvin Badiola, Deb Carragher, and myself, mm. they've all been mem- um, guests on the Yay. Uh, they'll be on. Uh, there are a couple of other shows going on as well, and I want to, you know, sort of help out our theater folks and friends to p- promote those shows. Sister Act, Theater Rhino, is happening. Right. Um, that, I, that I, I saw that, and I was like, Theater Rhino is doing Sister Act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. There, yeah, and um, and AJ, our good friend AJ Mitchell, uh, he is um, choreog- choreographing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that opened May the 17th. It closes June the 1st. Mm-hmm. Sounds really quick. That's playing at yeah. the Gateway Theater. That's uh, the old Eureka Theater. Right. Uh, also at um, Central Works, the Victorian Ladies Detectives Collective is playing. Ah, uh, Alan, Alan Coyne. Coyne. That's right. Uh, and directed by Gary Graves. Each of them have been member, uh, guests on the A. Uh, that opened May the 4th. It closes June the 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bakersfield Mist. That's Off-Broadway West. Uh, Richard Harder is directing that. Right. Um, that opened May the 3rd, and it closes June the 1st. Mm-hmm. And uh, one more thing. So there is a reading. June well, the Dawn, s- if you have some, feel free to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my good friend Lisa Kong, uh, she, is, uh, she was part of a, um, a group of writers who have written a uh, piece called The Emeryville Horror, and the stage reading is on June the 2nd. Uh, that's a company, Same Boat Theater uh, Collective. Mm. Uh-huh. That's uh, I'm sort of the board member. I, I oh, feel right, bad. That one. Yes, I feel yes, bad yes. because I haven't really done anything. We had one <laughs> meeting, and I'm like, hey, well, I'm in a show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, in any case, yeah. So um, they say Emeryville is disappearing. Is your city next? The Emery- Emeryville has awarded Same Boat Theater Collective the opportunity to present a stage reading of the Emeryville Horror at the Emeryville Center of Community Life uh, on Where Sunday, June the second. 7 p.m. I will put a link, okay. um, theater dot org. Huh. So, okay. uh, so there are lots of great theater happening, and that is that. Don, did you have a good time? I had a great time. I could just sit and talk to you guys <laughs> all evening. Good. I'm, I'm glad we you... barely <laughs> scratched the surface. I know, I know. <laughs> and I said to myself, man, if I abuse Don and keep on talking, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I, I feel guilty. But uh, no, uh, we thank you so much. And uh, this is our day off. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm monopolizing your time. But no, we had a wonderful time. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm all glad right. It worked out. Yeah, here is my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple podcast on all iPhones and iPads, really any app that you listen to your podcast, you can find us. If you're an old stogie like me and you listen to your podcast on a desktop or a laptop, you can click on uh, iTunes. Click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, search for the A, you'll find us. If you're an Android user, you can use SoundCloud.com or just click on, download the SoundCloud app. 
and you can find us. Yeah, the but yet, you don't need the app. You can just you can just click on it. You can just yes, soundcloud.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And for those Facebook, you know, just click on our link and you can listen to us. And mm-hmm. of course, you're listening to us already. Tell your friends. Mm-hmm. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. What else is there? Instagram. Ah! <laughs> I'm at Red Space Clay. I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Uh, Don, do you have a uh, Instagram, Snapchat? I <laughs> do. Uh, on the Insta, I'm uh, DMW underscore directs. Um, I'm the same thing on the Twitter. DMW at underscore directs. I'm not on the snap, mm-hmm. but um, but I am on the Insta and the Twitter, and uh, and I am on Facebook mm-hmm. by my given name, Don yeah. Monique Williams. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And I would say if you're looking for a director, you can hire Don, but I'm not sure you're available. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely booked through June of 2020. So, mm, yeah. um, so, so after I'm, that, <laughs> after that, I'm open to all all conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, if you see one of if you see women on the verge and you want to give compliments or whatever, you know, you can hit Don up or whatever. It's it's good to have collaboration. And, well, and she'll be in the house of the Aurora. She'll be in Berkeley. I'll be a local girl. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And we, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Sign off. And we